As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, it's Amanda. Hey, Amanda. It's Michelle. How are you? Good, thanks, my love. How are you? Oh, good, thank you. I'm sure you've had a long day at work like I have and a long week and everything. And on top of that, I listened to your podcast last night, I think it was yesterday, uh, Monsters Who Murder, which I love. Mm -hmm. And I find out that you are the insider. You are the family (laughs) (laughs) insider who is um, the person who's, been speaking to the media on behalf of the family of one Ivan Malat. Yes, it, Robert was pissed off that I had given them all this information and they hadn't named me. I didn't say they couldn't name me. So it was quite surprising to say a source close to the family has said. It's like, well, hang on a sec. 
Oh, Robert McKnight, that is, the man yeah, who you yeah. did the podcast with, of course. With. <laughs> when you was first started saying that, I thought, oh, is that a Malat brother? That's, you know, because no. normally it's about some sort of drama in the Malat family. Cause I know oh, there always, is. Yeah. Everyone loves to talk about insiders in the family. It's more mysterious <laughs> and more exciting if everyone makes out that they have some contact, you know, that if they yep. have some secret contact in the family, but it's actually you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so tell us... Uh, What's going on with Ivan? Because, of course, our listeners will know that you have been writing to Ivan for 20 years. You're working on a book with Ivan. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I am. So looks like I've got a deadline. <laughs> well, that's one way of putting it. I've read things ranging from he's got um, senior anorexia. Geriatric anorexia. Mm-hmm. He's got cancer. Which he does. Yeah? Yes. Yes, okay. which is... Uh, they're claiming he has cancer, but there's actually no official word and, and really they can't actually tell us. But um, his nephew, who I've been in contact with as well, has come out and said that uh, Malat has cancer, but it actually hasn't been confirmed yet. But on top of that, then they're saying that he also has two weeks to live, but people have been told they've had two weeks to live and they die the next day or they die in two years' time. So really it's just a ticking time bomb to see what happens. At 74 and having spent 25 years in prison, you're still go- going to be quite elderly and knowing how much weight he's lost and the aches and pains that he has had all this time, this is certainly um, not beyond the realms of possibility. Absolutely. And as you pointed out in your podcast he has done a number of um, hunger strikes, so that has affected mm-hmm. his health. Absolutely. He, he, I think he went into prison about 110 kilos, and now he's down to uh, the mid-60s. So he, he's lost about half his body weight, which is a significant amount, especially when um, he was uh, quite lean anyway. So um, he, he didn't have fat to lose. So it's it's played with him quite significantly. And, and by having uh, geriatric anorexia, it means that uh, organs do shut down and uh, cancers do arise because lumps and bumps uh, start to feed themselves because he wasn't eating. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed. I'm sure you've – well, I don't know. I'm not sure, actually. Maybe you've had similar messages to your social media that we've had. We posted – a link when the story first broke a few days ago um, with the story that Ivan was in hospital and was thought to be quite ill. And, I mean, the messages were all really negative, really along Mm -hmm. the lines of good, basically. Um, Did you have similar messages to your social media about people wishing him ill? Yes, I mean, besides the usual, well, they should have shot him in the first place yep. anyway, there's been a lot of information about having him tortured. So rather than saying, you know, he's a human being and he needs to be treated, they're all saying, well, let him die slow death. And esophageal cancer is actually quite horrific. It's, it's, it's one of the worst cancers to get. And so people are almost gleefully happy that he's dying of, of, of such a horrid disease. And it is quite surprising because they go and they read all the articles and they hear our podcast and then they comment. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, um, the other thing that's interesting though, and I was just saying this to Emily, like a couple of days ago, just before this story broke, I still get messages on my social media since last time you and I spoke on the on the podcast mm-hmm. From people asking me, though, what proof I have that Ivan is guilty. Like, there is still a really passionate contingent of people 
who don't believe that Ivan is guilty of the crimes. And they're always very polite. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but they, oh, they, yeah, they keep popping well, up. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get them so polite. I get them quite aggressive mm. at, at me. Um, and yet I'm very much uh, both sides of the fence. There is enough evidence there to suggest his guilt but there's also a lot of questions that haven't been answered so i'm i'm in both camps but i still get a lot of threats from people saying don't talk about ivan he he didn't do these crimes and um I'm, i've actually spent most of today talking to a lot of uh tv programs and, and news outlets about that they're hoping that there is a deathbed confession and I'm saying 100% there won't be in fact he will use his dying breath to say he is innocent of these crimes and I mean in 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 the world of psychopaths and sociopaths that's the final ultimate power mm. is to take it all with him yeah that's a really interesting point you've made there obviously Ivan is not the only person that you write to. That's what you're famous for. You're known as the serial killer whisperer um, because <laughs> you have been writing to people on death row around the world for, for a mm-hmm. long time, for 20, 30 years, most of your life. Have you ever mm-hmm. known anyone to make a big deathbed confession? No, not yet. In, in, in fact, it usually goes the other way. And uh, like John Wayne Gacy, who just said, kiss my ass, mm. um, that, that's usually how it goes down. But um, I've been talking to Bobby Joe Long in Florida now for about 20 years, and he's actually being executed next week. Mm. So um, I correspond with him by email, actually. So I'm waiting to see if I get a final one because he will go into the um, watch house to, to be watched before the execution actually happens. So I'm waiting to see if I get anything final, if there is a confession, if there is an apology, if there's remorse, but I highly doubt. I don't think a lot of them do. We know that Ted Bundy did. Ted Bundy decided to call in all state police and say, hey, what what crimes do you have? And I'll basically confess to it. So Mm. some do, but they are few and far between. Yeah, Ted Bundy also offered to help them with um, profiling, didn't he? With with other cases, tried to help them understand the mind of serial killers. Mm-hmm. A, a few killers have done that. Um, I had David Burney do that. He wanted to help catch the Claremont serial killer, and mm. he, he believed that he had a suspect. Obviously, it's now been proven to be wrong, but he was keen to help, saying, you know, use my mind for what you're looking for but um the police didn't seem to want to to be involved with him doing that so the fact that they were interested in Ted Bundy doing that um it's I mean it's crazy not to but then you know at 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 the same time people like John Douglas who is behind Mindhunter he actually um believes that Manson would have been a good profiler because he's able to see people's strengths and weaknesses and he believes he could have been an asset had he gone the other way. Actually, yeah, now you're taking me back to the series Mindhunter. Who was that man who that first series is about who killed his mum? Ed Kemper. (laughs) Ed Kemper. Edmund Kemper, yeah, that's amazing. That actor did so well in that. But, um, yeah, Ed, Ed Kemp was one of those, but he was also highly intelligent and most of them aren't, so they can't sort of keep that passion at bay to be able to look at these things clinically, whereas Kemper could. Kemper could put his own uh, blurred reality aside and actually talk to them about the clinical side of it. So he um, was helpful I in real life. Yes, so he absolutely. So he was helpful in real life with the um with the FBI in setting up their profiling division. 
He was, and because uh, when he had been in juvenile detention, he'd actually worked with a clinical psychologist. So he learned all the ins and outs. So he knew the right terms and knew what they were looking for to answer the questions that were essentially the very start of criminal profiling. Mm. Wow. Okay, so as the you know official insider of the uh, Malat clan, which is a re- really weird. I mean, how comfortable are you with that title, by the way? Not. <laughs> Not <laughs> no, at all. <laughs> no, it's pretty weird. How's the family holding up? They are a family that's always sort of at odds. There's lots of, there's factions within the family always. Mm-hmm. How are they holding up? I be- I heard the other day that he was getting lots of visitors. Is that true? Is that possible? No, it's not. And no one can actually see him and they have to go through a whole process to actually get in and maximum of of two people can see him. So the family has to decide who that is going to be. And obviously his nephew hopes it's him. Um, But the 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 family does close ranks a bit. Do you mean the nephew who um, wanted to follow in his footsteps and actually murdered a friend in Belangolo Forest? No, no, no. This is the other one Different who wrote one. a book with Ivan. Yeah. Right. <laughs> There's okay. a few of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, the family does close ranks a bit when things like that things like this come up. Mm. Uh, but there is also a faction in the family that will um cheer that he's he's dead and they will certainly come out and, and talk against him and say how vile and horrible he was, whereas the rest of the family uh, will want to mourn and talk about him as an innocent man. Wow. Have his letters of recent times suggested that he was, um, you know, becoming more frail? Actually, he's been complaining about a sore shoulder for about 18 months. And obviously that is a transference of of pain from um, possibly a stomach cancer. So you can get like a shoulder tip pain when you have stomach issues. So it could be that he has had this for about 18 months but wasn't aware until they've actually done a diagnosis. Mm. I know we've spoken about this before, about your feelings um, about these people that you write to. And certainly um, we spoke about this about David Burney when he he took his own life, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and what was the situation around that? So this is a man, he and his wife were living in Perth and they killed a number of young women. Mm-hmm. And I, I seem to recall there was some situation involving you before he killed himself. Yes, well, um, we'd been going through a few crime scene tapes that I'd been sent by a fellow prisoner there with David in, in Perth. And it was to look at if they were possibly linked to the, the Claremont case. And so we were working through that and the uh, Department of Corrections wasn't happy about that and decided to cut our contact. Um, But around the same time, Bernie was also off his antidepressants, which he had been prescribed purely because the script hadn't come through from the pharmacist and so he had to wait and so he'd gone through a bit of a detox of those. So then when he was told, this is your last phone call to her, um, it kind of was the last straw because Catherine Burney, his common-law wife, had actually uh, severed ties as well because she wanted to go through a parole uh, hearing and she couldn't do that if she was still in contact with him. So all of these things sort of linked together and he rung me that final night and I didn't know it was the final time, but apparently he did and um, he took his life uh, soon after, and then in the coronial case, it, it was brought up that I was his only link to the outside world, and 
by them taking that away from him, he believed he had nothing else to live for. So it's it's quite a confronting thing to have, but um, you know these things happen. So it just it just sometimes proves that we're all human, and sometimes uh, I I'm I'm can see myself as as part of the blame that these people um they invest in in this relationship that happens even if it's interviewer and interviewee and they actually um look forward to it so then when it's it's been severed uh they feel that there's nothing left because they don't have that break in their um mundane life that's you know same every single day yeah and I know for you it's work it's definitely work Mm -hmm. and it's uh research but I also know that that situation affected you because how could it not and I'm just wondering about Ivan when he inevitably dies um how that will affect you do you think will you miss him given that you've been writing to this person for 20 years for better or for worse Mm -hmm. um and you've been working on a book with him you know, do you think about that? Do you think about uh, not not writing to him anymore and not receiving letters from him anymore? It's it's sort of a weird emotion to have because you do think, oh yeah, I'm waiting to get something back from Ivan or oh, the last one that's turned up. And even with Bobby Joe Long, who's being executed next week, I've been talking to him for twenty years too, and I'm consciously thinking each day. It's now six days, it's now five days, that someone I know and have been talking to for so long, they have an end date. Mm. And it's it's quite confronting to think that regardless of who they are and what they've done, uh, they're still people and they're going to die and they've been part of my life for so long and part of my research and part of who I am. So there will be a loss. It, it won't be a grief, but there will definitely be a loss that I will feel that these people that have been part of my life for so long are no longer there. So there's going to be a gap. So my serial killer in Supermax will be gone. My my serial killer on death row in Florida will be gone. So they're, they're parts of my puzzle and my research that have an end date. And it's quite confronting to think about that. But at the same time, you know, we, we can think about that it saves taxpayers, that these people didn't care about the lives that they took. So there is a gratefulness too that they're gone. But you have to still wonder about the but the butterfly effect that happens from their lives. And, you know, I'm more concerned about the families that finally get that, not closure, but they get to say, that there's going to be no more issues of parole hearings. Can you tell us when you think this book will be released? Well, I'd actually put it aside last weekend because I'm working on the Death Museum I've got coming up next month. Yes. It looks like I'm going to have to burn the midnight oil and get it out. (laughs) Tell us about the Death Museum. Yes, I read you you mentioned that to me in an email uh, recently and I thought, what is that? I'm so interested. (laughs) I can't believe I hadn't told you. No. Um, well, basically, I had this brilliant idea last year that I have all of this information sitting around letters from all these different serial killers. I collect um, ancient artefacts. I have uh, original press photos and negatives from crime scenes of police files that I have. I have all of this information just sitting here collecting dust in my house. And I have a friend who does ghost tours and has a lot of event experience. And I said to her, let's do a death museum. I have a whole lot on uh, 
OJ Simpson. Got a whole lot on uh, the James Bolger murder case in England. Wow. I have a lot on the cults. So I have all of these sorts of different sort of aspects of criminal deaths as well as religious um, and war and all of this. Just I, I actually have original newspaper articles on the JFK assassination. It really is as it broad is. as a museum about death. You know, you know, it's like, it's like just just different kinds of stories about death, criminal death, different like just different kinds of death. I've got everything. So whatever people think about, that's what they're going to see. There's some taxidermy. There is some weird and wonderful things like scary dolls and and some strange bits and pieces that we have. Basically anyone that has a morbid interest in history will find something at the museum that they like. Amanda, you never cease (laughs) to astound and amaze and fascinate me, and I love it. And I know you still take... (laughs) A ton of shit, if I may say so, um, from people who don't don't de- dig it and don't get it. And but I do. I really love it, <laughs> and I love your podcast, Monsters Who Murder. I love your work. I love everything you do. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. Talk soon. Talk soon, babe. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.